force that was traditionally uh, reserved for large organizations. We leverage the enterprise risk management model and bring it down to small and mid-market space. And that's really what we're going to be But I'm really excited to share the stage with some very fine guests today. Uh, I've known these guys for, for a little while now, so uh, I could not imagine a better group to panel with. Uh, Chris, do you want to introduce yourself? You can start the introductions off. Chris Paradiso, agency owner, just like most of you out here, out of Connecticut. Uh, started in the industry about uh, 12 years ago. We write in 38 states, and uh, here hopefully to be able to share some uh, social and digital uh, interesting content and social platforms. Hey there, I am Woody Brown. I am from Atlanta, Georgia. I am not the typical sort of, uh, I, didn't, I don't work for a family-owned business. I wasn't in the insurance industry, had zero experience um, until three years ago. So I came in after being a, um, this sounds so lame to say out loud, but lead singer of an indie rock band. That sounds amazing. <laughs> we toured the country, we did all of that, we got signed, anyway. Um, and my approach basically is the non-traditional approach, and I think that is kind of why I'm doing well in my space, because um, I don't, I'm, not, I'm just not the traditional sort of guy I think that people think of when they think of their, you know, Jake from State Farm or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's me. Woody's being humble. He's one of the most prolific vloggers in our space today. And if you're looking for an example of how to do video well in a very relatable way, this is the guy that you should follow right here. And uh, that means about half the people in here are going to steal what you're doing. So I think it's cool. It's all good, man. Uh, Ryan Hanley, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Agency Nation. Uh, digital education and conference platform for uh, the insurance industry, uh, focused mostly on sales, marketing, and technology, and uh, also trustedchoice.com, which is the largest lead generation platform specifically for independent agents uh, in the entire country on the property casualty side. Uh, so most of my work is centered towards independent agents, but it pretty much transcends. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, so Woody, I want to start off with you with this first question. Content creation, what types of things do you need to keep in mind to develop compelling content? So I kind of just got started with the typical, we all have the same exact questions that people text, call, or email us about, right? So I started there, which is so, it's really an easy way to get started because we all have that content in us because we know the answers to all those questions. So that's kind of how I got started then too, like, I have started doing a daily vlog um, that really, to be honest with you, has nothing to do whatsoever with insurance. So the content creation there is just what happens to me daily, whether that is something that's going on with my family or even on the professional side, if it is insurance related. It's, there's so much of our daily lives that's actually interesting um, that you can document and you don't really have to think about like, okay, what the heck am I going to talk about today? What am I going to do? You know, uh, it's already there. You already have all the answers and all of the content there. You just have to have to do it. Tactically, uh, I'll give you guys a very tactical example. Uh, I was an independent insurance agent for eight years before I took the job that I'm currently in. I worked for a very traditional agency, my wife's family's agency. And uh, I was a really bad insurance salesman. Mostly I had complete fear of selling and particularly cold calling. So I turned to digital mostly because I was so bad at traditional sales tactics. And for that reason, come on up, bro. All right. 
for that reason, um, I, I, that's how I turned it digital. So I'll give you a very tactical thing that I did. Uh, in December of 2011, um, I took a website that, had, that still had copyright 2002 on the bottom, was four pages written in some form of code that I don't think exists anymore, and I replaced it with a WordPress website that cost me about $1,000 to design, so relatively low, uh, relatively low uh, cost. I then asked, uh, as, as Chris and, and Woody have both mentioned, I asked every client that walked in our door, if you could have one question answered about insurance, what would it be? Just one. Any question, doesn't, no question is too, too big, too small, no question is dumb, just ask it. I collected 147 questions, dialed them down to 100, and on January 2nd, 2012, in two minutes or less, using my cell phone, a five megapixel Android Pro, which is the worst Palm knockoff you've ever seen in your life, I said, hello, my name is Ryan Hanley. I work for the Murray Group Insurance Services, and today we're going to answer the question, what is homeowner's insurance? I did that in two minutes or less for 100 days in a row. And it completely changed the course of my career. And it's literally the, the just insanity of the moment to take on 100 pieces of content in 100 days is the only reason that I sit here. But if you do one thing that I can guarantee you will make money, what, just one tactic, it's just start answering the questions. Just start answering the questions. If you just start doing that, particularly on video, all the other tactics will work their way out. But that one thing, I, I promise you, it will change the course of uh, your sales career uh, using digital. It's just, it's the most powerful thing we can do today in our business. Awesome. Hello. Sorry, they, uh, I was in panel to panel, and the other one was on the other side of the stadium, and it takes a little while to get over here. And I'm out of shape. <laughs> well, you're on that treadmill all the time, man. I'm watching. <laughs> For those that don't know you, why don't you give a brief introduction of who you are? Uh, yeah, sorry guys. Uh, I'm Steve Babcock. I'm the Chief Creative Officer at VaynerMedia in uh, New York City. And I'm happy to be here. Awesome. And so, uh, creating content from your experience, are there any considerations that you like to keep in mind in terms of the creative process? Yeah, I think there absolutely is one uh, very definitive prerequisite to the creation process, and that is authenticity. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we and the rest of the world, if the internet is any indicator, just just want to just put it out there without actually thinking, hey, you all are very unique people with very different perspectives on the business or whatever you're going to offer. Like, take a moment and um, do that internal research. Like, what is your brand, whether it's a, if you work at a company or it's your personal brand, why do you exist? Like, I know they sound kind of like hippy-dippy, and I'm from Boulder, Colorado, so maybe, but uh, you know, it sounds kind of hippy, like, but like, to actually sit down and go, okay, what's my mission? Why do I exist in culture? What's the impact I want to have? And when you ask yourself that, you'll go through a process and you'll ask yourself why, 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 why. Eventually you'll get to a place that feels real, feels right for you, uh, and it actually transcends your, your business goals. And that's when you know you have a real purpose. Because right? clearly everybody wants to make sales and make money. Like, I get that part. That's not why you exist. That's not the real impact that you're hoping to have in culture. So it's a, it's actually, it's a really long strategic process, but we call it a North Star once you find it, you know? Once you have your North Star, there's that. Then you have to look at your behavior, the things that you offer. Maybe you have a particular proprietary way that you do something or a technology or whatever. Those, then you start to identify those things. Now those things, we call them behavior pillars. 
Um, I'm full of marketing jargon today. But uh, those have to be able to prove that that is your mission. Because this is your mission, you behave this way, this way, this way, this way, or you do this, that, this, and that. What that also gives you are reasons to believe or things to talk about in your creative. So now, now you're essentially just building a filter, you know, so that with, you're not tempted to just be like, hey, it's National Hot Dog Day. I'm posting. <laughs> I, as, I'm, somebody in here has posted on National Hot Dog Day, I promise. They just won't raise their hands. But I mean, that's, it's important to do that. Um, so that's the prerequisite. Then there's the whole conversation of like, well, what kind of stuff do I do, and who am I talking to, and that thing. So I would say authenticity and going through that discovery process is step number one. Awesome. And so, now everyone up here spoke about brand, and Ryan, I know we spoke about it earlier, I asked you this question. I think it's really important to bring it up. We have a lot of agency owners in here, but we also have a lot of agents that may not have an agency owner that fully appreciates the value of social selling. Um, do you have any insights or strategies around how to navigate that fine line between a corporate brand and selling for a corporate brand, but also developing your own personal brand as well? So uh, there are a lot of nuances to this relationship, and I will place the caveat on this. There is a reason that I don't sell insurance anymore. So take this advice for what it is. Uh, but my personal feelings are people don't buy insurance, they buy the person who's selling them that insurance and how they feel about that person. Do I respect you? Do I trust you? Now that may transcend to an organization if you're doing it digital, but also ultimately we're placing the same emotional uh, feelings of trust and respect on the business that we would with the person. But for most of you boots on the ground agents and agency owners, they're buying you. People don't know shit about insurance. Even if you do 100 videos and they watch every single one of them, they still don't understand it. None of you understand everything about insurance. Nobody up here understands everything about insurance. It's an incredibly complex topic, and we shouldn't force them to. We want them to trust us and our organization. So my personal belief is, if you lead with your personal brand attached and very respectfully associated with uh, the agency's brand, both the agency principal and leadership can feel comfortable that you aren't just building up a book of business you're then going to take away from them, which is the first concern. But you can leverage both your own personality and authenticity, as, as Steve talked about, in, but it's associated to this agency. And I think if you can, if you can have the, the leadership and vision as an agency owner to allow your, your employees to do that, you're really just creating a much stronger organization than if you force them to just put the corporate veil on and, and work under that brand. That's, but then again, that's part of the reason I don't work at my family's agency. <laughs> Let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us more. How does Hold that on, where's the couch? Let me. <laughs> um, from an agency leader perspective, does, does that resonate with you guys? Do you guys have anything else to add in terms of balancing a corporate versus personal brand? As an agency owner, uh, the one thing I, I totally agree, uh, if you're working for somebody else, you've got to have a brand. But the key factor as an agency owner is will that brand uh, clash with the brand of the agency or if you're working in the corporate world? Um, I. I would just be very cautious and sit down with the agency owner and uh, I'm all for uh, my agents branding themselves, uh, but I'm also conscientious because at the end of the day they still work for us. So um, I agree with it, I just, I would like to have some, some say to make sure that there's no clashing. Yeah, and you know, I'm a boots on the ground agent, I am a partner now, but I'm fortunate and I think in a unique situation in that like my agency owner and boss is my age. I went to college with him. Uh, so he's very open-minded and has an awesome vision of what our agency 
will be and should be and, and kind of lets me assume like day one said just you know be yourself because I think what happens in our industry and you know all of these industries that are here today is like we end up feeling like we should be what people expect us to be and we end up being like shadows of ourselves and because of that we're, we're not taking advantage of the fact that we have the cheapest way to tell our story and tell people who we are i mean it's to the point now sometimes even like my referral partners will sometimes say in the emails hey this is i want to introduce you to woody Rhodes." That, that's not even my that woody brown's my name they think i'm the guy that runs the agency because you know they know me and i've branded myself in such a way that just like ryan was saying and everybody like we all write the same policies they come from essentially the same accord forms right it doesn't matter the stamp that's on there what 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 carrier we me like we're the product that's what we're selling and like yes it definitely has to be in line with the agency's sort of like culture and, and pillars of belief and all that but i think one of our strengths in my agency is you know we have a girl who drives a well, you know like i said i'm from georgia she drives a truck with like tires like as tall as i am and so her story is much different than mine right uh, I have skinny ties and I wear tight pants. And you know, she wears camouflage, right? So our stories are so different, but <laughs> we're also attracting different customers and talking to different people. And I think that is the strength. I think that's where we win. I think that's where we stand apart from the, like, you're in good hands crap, you know? Because we are individuals and the people that connect with us are doing so because they know us. They, oh man, I really wanna, you know, connect with, uh, Scalar guy because of their story and if you are able to tell that story in a way that is entertaining not boring not I mean there's a reason why there's not a million dollar insurance agent in New York on Bravo right like it's not interesting I mean you know what I mean so we have to be entertaining some way and I think that really is like I'm a firm believer in telling your story. Every single person in this room has a unique something about them, right? Like I was born in Singapore. I used to live in Jakarta, Indonesia. Like there's all kinds of stuff about me that's like, wow, shit, that's pretty interesting. And I'm sure everyone on this stage and everyone in the in the you know crowd and everything, it's the same thing. It's just about being brave enough to tell that story so that you can connect with people. Um, any thoughts about that? About you know developing a compelling story across different platforms? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the. The, I think one of the worst things that a lot of brands do, a lot of people do, is they just cut and paste across the spectrum, you know. Um, and that's, I think that does a couple things. One, it's, it's, you know, every every platform has its nuance, and it's and its behavior. You know, it's funny because you look back. So I was told because I wasn't alive, but back when radio was the only thing in the world, you know, you've seen the pictures where the family huddles around the radio and they listen to the night programs. When television came out, uh, all of the ads on television were just radio reads with like a picture of the product, right? Because that's what you knew what to do. No one had really figured out that the behavior of consumption of television was different and eventually they did and then television commercials started to become as entertaining as the product. Then we fast forward today, where, I mean, even when we got through that quick little moment called digital, and then it just blew up. Now we have everything from, who knows, you know, 
from a Super Bowl commercial to a Snapchat filter. We have everything, and each one of those things has a very specific and particular way that it's uh, engaged with. And so I think there's two parts to that question. There's the, there's the honoring, the um, respecting and honoring the platform, but then also your different audiences. And it means, and that's another advantage that we have nowadays is that you can segment and target very specifically where you know, previous life, that was actually really expensive, if not impossible to do. And now you really can, and the worst thing you can do with that ability is waste it by just assuming that segment A and segment B will like the same thing from you because, you know, it's a production efficiency. Uh, when in reality, it's like, have who you are, have your brand positioning. You will talk a little bit differently as a person, for example. Like, I'm who I am. I have the things I stand for and my behaviors and whatever. I, but I'll talk to like my mom probably differently than I would talk to Gary, right? Uh, he talks to both of us the same, but it's like, but like, you know, but, but that doesn't mean I'm a phony, you know? That means I have empathy, and as a brand, you, and as, or as a personal brand, you have that empathy too. The best conversationalist, the best way to build trust is to meet someone in the middle, be, acknowledge the things that they're interested in, and um, so it me it's a it's a, it's different things. A, I do like that the platforms force you to create more. Like if you think, uh, for example, I mean these are these are pretty extreme differences, but you know what you would maybe create as a video on you know Vimeo or YouTube or Facebook, some long form, maybe a little more polished, very different than what you would do in a Snapchat environment, where you actually would get the counter. Uh, I remember three, five years ago, whatever, different life. I didn't live in New York, and we were working, uh, I was working on Pete's Coffee. I don't know if they have those out here, whatever. It was, it was, I was in San Francisco, I was in the Bay Area, and this was kind of, this is a while ago, but this was when social was just becoming a thing, and they wanted to take a picture of this caramel whatever thing. So we took this really expensive, glossed, awesome picture. I mean, it was just perfect. It's amazing. And uh, then we're like, yeah, let's throw that on Instagram, too. And it was just like, Horrible, like no one engaged with it. But then when we were also shooting, someone just took a picture with their phone. This was back when Instagram was, had all the borders. I mean, it still does, but like the really, and made it do that. And the engagement was considerably different. And it just, at that moment, that opened my eyes of like, ah, wait a minute. Quality of content isn't necessarily through my lens anymore. It's like, I have to be able to take every different platform and figure out how to make, I have to bend how I speak in these different, in these different platforms. Awesome. Uh, so we have about five more minutes of conversation, then we'll throw it out to the audience for some questions. Uh, Ryan, why don't you start with this one. It, in terms of tracking successes, what makes a piece of content successful? What are you looking at? What, you know, what type of metrics are you trying to analyze to see if, a, if it hits home? This is where I'm, like a, I'm a really bad marketer <clears throat> because I don't know that I have set goals for every piece of content. Um, I track trends and themes. Uh, there are certain pieces of, you know, I'd love to say, well, I want seven comments, but I might put a piece of content out and I don't expect anyone to comment on it. That's not the point of the piece of content. So uh, we, we live and breathe with the content that we put out uh, in the platforms that we put it out in. Um, my team kind of chops it up. Each platform has uh, an owner to a certain extent. Uh, I basically operate our Instagram channel. J Joey works our, Facebook page, so they have slightly different personalities, but what I found is when we put very specific people on them and 
they can they can own what's happening to a certain extent. You can you have the trackable numbers at any given time. I can jump in and say, you know, we're getting more click-throughs, we're getting more comments, we're getting more, you know, whatever the thing is. So I, I understand the numbers, but at the same time, what I'm really looking for as as the owner of Facebook, what is your sense for how people are responding to this? And you know, again, we're not working for brands and have multiple. We are the, you know, we are our own brand. We're working for ourselves. So there's a little, there's a very deep uh, level of ownership in, in what we're putting out there. So I guess I'm upward trends more than we had before, but uh, through the filter of, is it, is it what we're actually looking for from that piece of content? I don't want someone just to bang, you know, double tap the Instagram because it's agency nation. You know, I'm, I'm looking more for what are we actually getting out of it. So it comes down to the, the objective of why you're actually putting that piece of content yeah, The out, really right? terrible answer is it's some counting numbers and some the way we feel. Exactly. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yes, in a weird way, that sort of makes sense. My last question before we open it up to the audience for, for questions you guys have. If there is one thing that you would like this audience to take home today that they can either implement tomorrow or keep in mind as they continue to create content tomorrow, what would that be? I'll give you each like a, you know, an opportunity to, to kind of give your one key takeaway before we open it up. Do you want to start? Yeah, I would say, you know, think of yourselves as, a, as media networks versus marketers. Um, you know, realize that now we are playing with the world's first real true focus group called social media, where unlike any time before, you can put something out there and see how it is engaged or not engaged with in a, in a fashion where that person has no idea that that test is happening, right? So it's probably the most true scientific form of, you know, studying how a consumer behaves. Where in a former life, you had to like bring people into a room, pay them 150 bucks, they eat your M&Ms. Media network, you think of yourself as like, okay, well, you're like a television station. Like, understand why you exist and have your parameters, the things you would do and wouldn't do. And then what are your programs? What's your programming? And when you're thinking about creative, think about it that way. You're trying to, you're trying to get a hit. You're trying to put something out there that will build equity versus just a lot of one-off-y type things. You're trying to, and I would also say, if you have, a pro, you know, if you have four or five shows or whatever you're doing, uh, two things. One, I mean, have the mindset, the pilot mindset. For every hit, for every walking dead or Handmaid's Tale or whatever, there's like eight million shows that never made it past the first two episodes. That's how you have to do it. You have to recognize that the market is, uh, you, you are at the mercy of the market, and so you wanna continually be trying these things uh, and putting them out there. And then when you do have a hit, um, you know, pour some, pour some gas on it. I mean, it's really, it's interesting. It, it's actually how Gary does a lot of his own <laughs> Uh, his own his own content, you know, he has shows and he creates shows, and when they become a thing, he goes for a while and then obey, you know, you know, cancel them and do another thing. So, uh, think of yourselves as a media network versus a marketing company or person. Awesome, Chris. I would say uh, I already told you branding guide, so I'll give you something different. I would uh, go to video proposals. Anybody selling personal lines or small commercial, it's a must. The things are free. Useloom.com is one tool. It's a video proposal tool, it is free. 100% free, that four letter F word Gary doesn't like, but I like, free. Uh, I would tell you, video proposals can change your closing ratio uh, because you're gonna be able to see the proposal and see you and communicate within a two minute video, um, absolutely key to your closing ratio. 
I'm not going to recommend it on $100,000 accounts, but I am going to re recommend it on the smaller accounts and personal lines. Awesome. Woody? So I would say, even though we kind of talked about tracking and numbers and why that stuff is extremely important, I would say if you're just getting started on any kind of content, whether it's video um, or anything, to not get wrapped up too much in that initially, because I think initially you might think, holy cow, we've only got like four likes. I put all this time into put, putting this video together and editing and I, you know, the phone's not ringing yet. Like it takes time. You have to build a solid foundation and go into it thinking like, I don't care if I don't get any likes the first 150 videos that I do. Think about the competition, think about your competition right now. They're not doing it either, right? So your videos are already gonna be probably better than theirs if they're not doing it, right? So don't get wrapped up in it's not uh you're not getting your return like quick enough because it's just that's just not how it works really so um just kind of you know don't don't worry about that crap great and then real quick if so uh if you guys have questions i'll, I'll let okay. you talk if you guys have questions if you want to raise your hand we can get a mic to you i just want to make sure we're, we're resourceful on time uh while you guys are doing that right yeah i like going last because i get to pick from the answers that you already gave uh, i would say um, get really good at one or two, if you're gonna dive into social, get really good at one or two platforms. The reality of your business is I, all of, none of you are media company only people. That's just, I'm, most of you. I know a few of you are hiring media people and all that stuff and uh, we had a conversation about um, that, but Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it is for you, right? Whatever your thing is, pick one of them and get really good. Because what I've learned over the years is that if you get really good at one platform, transitioning that audience to another platform and then helping, and then the people who follow you. So, so if you get really good at LinkedIn and you're really good at telling that story and you're like, okay, I'm ready to start telling some stories and connecting on Instagram, some of those people will follow you. And the people that follow you will then help you build a new audience, reach people you didn't reach on LinkedIn in that new place. But if you were just spraying and praying and you're not really good at any of them, well then you're, you're kind of wasting your time. So don't get overwhelmed by all the platforms that exist. Find your market and wherever they exist and get really good at that spot. Start there and then let the rest happen organically. Well with that, gentlemen, thank you so much. Will you guys please join me in thanking these guys? Good work, fellas.